I told you guys I was very excited about getting this thing up and running, getting all the, the pictures and all that fun stuff, because sometimes I think that it, it makes it easier to be able to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> can, I, can I give you a secret? Can I tell you a secret? I, uh, I had a message already laid out on Thursday. I was ready to go. And I'm like, cool, I get to have an awesome, wonderful weekend. And then uh, I went home, and I just, you ever have the, one of those moments when the Spirit says, no, we're not, that, we're not going to do it that way. And I'm like, but God, I put all this time into what I was doing. And he says, no, we're going to do something different. You ever have that happen in your life when God says we're going to do something different? Came back, I came back on Saturday, <laughs> came back sat yesterday, and worked 10 hours <laughs> and rewrote my entire message for today. Um, so I hope it communicates to you, uh, because I believe it's what God wants to say to us today. It's, today we're going to talk about using our gifts as a team. See, God loves to do extraordinary things through everyday believers, People who are willing vessels that he can equip, that he can equip and gift. He also supplies the willingness that fuels our gifts as well. I'm going to read a verse to you. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, the thing is, is, God not only gives us gifts, he gives us the desire and the willingness to work in those gifts. And when we function in the way that God has gifted us, guess what we find? We find something that popped up last week. We find joy. I intentionally left these things up here, and, I'm, and you're going to see the stuff, the little, the little things that I use every week are going to end up on the stage for the series, at least for this series, because they're going to build on each other. And we find joy in doing his will. Each of us have God-given capacity to fulfill what he's created us to do. The question is, is whether or not we're living up to our capacity. See, capability is different. I'm capable of doing a bunch of different things, but am I living up to the capacity that he has for me? I think a lot of times, personally, I, I, I fall short on these things. I do, and I'm like, oh, man, I just messed that up. You know, I fell down the stage, or um, I, I, I go... I go out to eat, and then I, I leave somewhere, and I'm like, oh, I should have said something because I knew that I should have changed something or I should have said something or to, that, to, to my server or a person across the table. Have you guys ever had that situation, and you've walked away, and you felt like, man, I should have done that? Those are the times in our lives when we realize we haven't lived up to our capacity. God's gifted us to be able to do these things, and then we just don't do them for whatever reason. But when we do do them, we find great joy in that we've done them. So why don't we do them? That's a good question. 
See, the thing is, is our gifts help us to understand our role or our niche. Not just in the ministry of the church, but also our role and our niche as believers in our community. What are you good at? Seriously. I'm not asking you what what are you good at in the church. I'm literally asking you, what are you good at? Are you good at communicating? Are you good at your job? Are you good at handling finances? Those are your gifts. That's what God's created you to do, and you find joy in doing them. And when you do them for the ministry and for the kingdom, you find even more joy in doing them. See, doing church as a team isn't a one isn't one person doing a hundred things. It's everyone doing what they do best. That's what doing church as a team is all about. I want to show you a picture real quick. I have it down here, and I put it up on the big screen because that's kind of small, but this is the biggest I can print. This is the USS Wisconsin. This battleship, and it is a battleship. It, it fought in World War II. It fought in Vietnam, and it even fought in the Persian Gulf. Of course, they had to put missile launchers on it because those big guns they weren't really any good to get to where they were targeting. But this battleship is docked at a, at a place called Nauticus in, in Norfolk, Virginia. I have been on this battleship. You see that, see that bridge right there? You walk from the building across that bridge, and you get to walk around on that thing. Those guns are huge. I want to show you something real quick. I love the fact that there's a little laser pointer. You see right there? That's a person. You see back there? That's a person. <laughs> this thing is massive. And if you've never seen a Navy battleship or another Navy ship before, these things are huge, huge when these things were in full swing, they would have thousands of people on board at a time, trucking people across the ocean to drop them off wherever they're going. And that was when they were, were ferrying people. But just to keep the thing running, they'd have over 900 people on board. Just to keep it running. That'd be the people that were making the engines work, people that were shooting the guns, people that were in the command center. You know what's also cool about this thing? You got to go down into the decks. So you got to go down and you got to see where the people would sleep. You would get to see where they were one, two, three, and four people stacked on top of each other. You have this much space to sleep in. And you have just this little space where you lift up the mat and that is your locker. That's the only personal space you get. No curtain, nothing. Shared bathrooms, shared everything. The chapel was this, it was there. They had a cool little chapel. It was kind of nice. Um, but then you got to go to the mess, mess hall, and you got to, well, what do they call it? The galley. You got to go to the galley and say, I'm, I'm army, so we call it the mess hall. So you go to the galley, and it's just this big room, and it looks like a school cafeteria. And you would get in line, and you'd get your food, and but everyone on that boat had a job. See, when I was in the army, I, I was called a 56 Mike. That was my uh, MOS, military occupational specialty. Why they couldn't just call it your job, I don't know. Probably because it's the military. My job was to be a chaplain assistant. 
my job was to go around the battlefield and make sure my chaplain didn't do things to get himself killed. Because chaplains are incredibly passionate men, and they will walk into very dumb situations sometimes. (laughs) Some of them were a lot better than me. My job was also to protect him, because the law said that he couldn't carry a weapon at all. Because he was supposed to be considered a non-combatant. So I had to carry a weapon. I was his bodyguard. I, I affectionately called myself a glorified bodyguard. Because I worked for a chaplain, therefore I'm glorified, obviously. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I knew my role. I knew my job. And I was good at it. I was pretty good at it. These ships, everyone on this boat had a job. If you were a gunner, you were in the gun doing the gun stuff. You weren't running the engines. If you were an engineer, you were running the engines. You weren't in the command center. And if you were in the command center, you were doing the command center stuff, and you weren't running the engines. Let me tell you about another ship. How many of you guys know what this is? <laughs> Disney Cruise Line. We've been on, we've been on what, two? Two Disney Cruises. I love it. There are no kids anywhere if you don't want to find them. Because they have their own deck. You just stick your kids down there on their deck, and then you can go do stuff as adults. So it's so fun, right? And you get to go see all the new, because they have a theater on board, you get to see all the movies that they're, that they're releasing before they're released. They have all these Disney shows and stuff like that. But you know what's interesting about the Disney Cruise? And you know what the difference is between this and the battleship? These guys. See all these guys? What are they doing? They're having fun. See, the thing about a cruise ship is the majority of people on board are there to have fun. They're there to enjoy it. They're there to sit and relax and get refreshed. They're there to sing Disney songs, have pirates, pirate shows at night with fireworks. It's pretty cool, guys. If you ever get a chance to go, I'm going to tell you it's, it's fun, okay? It's fun. But on every one of these ships, there's anywhere between 45 and 90 people who aren't there for fun. They're there to make the fun. Which one of these ships do you want to be on if you're at war? Guys, we're at war. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't preface that any other way. <laughs> we're at war. We're at war with the enemy. We're at war with the people. Not at war with the people. We're at war with the enemy who wants to see the people destroyed. The enemy already knows what his destination is. The enemy already knows he's going to be burned in the, fi- in the fire. He just wants to take as many of us with him as possible. It's our job to make it really hard to go to hell from our community. 
the church is supposed to be like a battleship. So if we're supposed to be a church like that, that pierces the darkness and rescues souls, we can't be a ship of spectators either. We all have received gifts. So what are they? You ever wonder that? What are they? Well, here's the first set. It's called the office gifts. The gifts of the office. I'm going to read you some scripture. Ephesians 4, 8, 11, and 12. 11 through 12, it says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibilities to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, we call this the fivefold ministry. Most pastors that you will find in the world are really good at one of these five things. They're really good at being an apostle, or they're really good at being prophets or evangelists. Usually the evangelists, those are the pastors that go around and preach and make big messes, and the pastors come back up behind and clean up all the mess. <laughs> but it's really good because I'll tell you what, nothing will stir up a neighborhood more than having an having a evangelist walk into your neighborhood and start handing out tracts on Main Street. Nothing's going dis- to disrupt your life more than that. And sometimes life needs to be disrupted, doesn't it? Thank you, God, for evangelists. I know some wonderful ones. Some are pastors and some are teachers. See, the thing is, is we all have our roles. But Christian leadership is not about being oppressive. It's not about being domineering. It's about equipping believers. So how's it done? An interesting thing is that the word equipping in the Bible translates to a Greek word. And it translates to a Greek word that, honestly, our Bibles don't do so well at. Mend. The word mend. So, real quick, think of this with me. Think about a fishing net. Anyone ever, anyone here have a fishing net? Ever, have you ever seen one? Oh, I mean, talking like commercial fishing net? These things are huge. And what do they have? Are, are they solid? No. They have holes in them. And what ends up happening with those holes after, after a time? They get ripped. They get broken. They get torn. But the purpose of the fisherman, when he's not out there fishing, is to, do, is to mend his nets, to fix them. And why is he mending the nets? So he can throw it back out and catch more fish. This is easy, guys. <laughs> The reality is, is broken nets don't work. Fish just squeeze right out. Hearing God's word is what is used to mend us. I'll read a quote. Not until the saints are serving and doing the actual work of ministry is the church accomplishing, accomplishing its assignment to the fullest. Not until the church... Who are the church? The saints. Not until the saints. Not until the church. Not until everyone in the church is fully working in their gifts. Are we being an effective net into our community? We just have fish that are going to fly right through us. Slip right through our slip right through. 
and we miss them. God tells us to go in all the world and preach the gospel. But if we're not using our gifts to preach the gospel, we're not only being disobedient, we're missing out on opportunities. We're missing out on our capacity. He strengthens us so that we can discover and develop our gifts by using them in serving one another. That's 1 Peter 4. Ephesians 4 says, and we do it so the body is built up. Built up. Stronger net. Bigger net. Church grows when people are being equipped and mended by the word of God. That is the job of the church leadership, not just the pastor. Board, this is our job. That's the job of ministry leaders in the church. That's the job of, of the children's leader, to mend those little souls down there. Can I tell you something? And I'm going to brag a little bit. Girls Ministries started a couple weeks after we started here in the parsonage. And it has nothing to do with anything that Leah has done or I have done or anything. All we did is open our home and make ourselves available. Those little girls downstairs, my little girls, Sarah's little girl, that was the first group that was there, three kids. The last week we actually had it with everyone there, where the storm didn't come in and destroy. <laughs> the storm was a bad thing <laughs> last week. They had five. And the only reason they didn't have six is because one of the kids was sick. They were going to have six. This week I'm expecting to have six there. One of the little girls has never been to a church. Her parents have never been to church. So I commend the little girls that are under our feet right now because they're growing our church. Amen, right? That's awesome. Next, the serving gifts. How many of you guys are servers? Romans 12, 6 to 8 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. How, how do we do them? We do them well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Wait, wait, I want to get this across. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Where does ministry start? With faith. Okay, we, just, we established that last week. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That's Romans 12, 8, 6 to 8. See, the thing is, is that We can't be good enough Christians. And the reality is, is we can never be good enough. The thing is, is we're not being called to be perfect. We're being called to do things well. Did you go home from that event that you served at or from whatever you've done, did you go home and say, 
I gave it everything I could give. Now, at the same time, you do have to take care of yourself. Let me tell you what happened this morning. And I'm beating myself up about it because I'm still learning to be a North Dakotan. <laughs> it is cold, y'all. <laughs> I'm out there in my bibs and in my, in my coat, and I got my, my thermal gloves on. I mean, these things are supposed to be awesome. They're Columbia. They're, they got, like, all this technology wrapped into it. It is cold out there. I'm out there for 10, 15 minutes, and this has never happened before. 10, 15 minutes, and my hands are starting to freeze. They're starting to get in a lot of pain. And I told myself, I said, I really should just go inside and warm up for a little bit. Nah, I only got like 15 more minutes to do this thing. I'm telling you, this has been a week of learning how to be a North Dakotan. Just asked me about my van this week. <laughs> anyway, I finish this thing up. I finish up the parking lot as best I can. My hands are just screaming at me. I go inside, and I said, I have not had to do first aid on my hands in a long time for the cold. So there I am trying to warm them up, and I get to church, and I'm just, you guys can't tell, but I did not play well today. I, I, I appreciate everyone here who's going to give me encouraging words. I did not feel that I did well today. But the reason why is because I really just can't feel my fingers right now. I hurt myself. There is a point when you do too much and you're not doing well. Remember what I told you guys before. Doing church as a team is not about having one person do everything. Doing church as a team is about everyone doing everything that they can and whatever they can do best. That is doing things well. The best thing I could have done is take a 15-minute break and warmed up. That's how I could have done better. That's how I could have done well. And I will do better next time. <laughs> Live and learn. You need to serve if you're a serving person. You need to lead if you're a leading person. And for, for, for the kingdom's sake, please lead. Seriously. If it's on your heart, if there's something in your heart that you know should be changed, step up and lead. Say it. Do something about it. Please. Because we don't always see everything. One thing my wife will tell you is that I'm a man and I have difficult finding things in the kitchen sometimes. I just don't see everything sometimes. And she literally has to come in and says, I got this. Have you ever set a goal for your life? See, some of my goals were to uh, have two kids. I beat that one. <laughs> Uh, one of my goals for my life was to uh, eventually become a head pastor. Hey, yes. All right. I want to get my pilot's license. I'd like to learn to fly. Yeah, someday. The glasses thing kept me from doing it in the military, but luckily uh, they'll let me fly a civilian plane. 
Um, one of my life goals was to not jump out of an airplane while I was in the military, and I did not. <laughs> Though there were some people trying to get me to go airborne, and I said, no, why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? They said, have you ever flown in an Air Force airplane? <laughs> okay, I'm picking on them a little bit. And then there's some goals that I haven't achieved yet. I'd like to get my PhD someday or my DMED. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm a, kind of a busy guy. But I want to do that. Have you, ever, you set these goals, right? Did you know that Paul talks about goals? Guess what he says? Philippians 3.12, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved things, these things, or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus has possessed, which Christ Jesus first possessed me. See, the thing is, is our goals, our life is all about how he's created us, who he's created us to be. And we have to discover the reason why we were born. What, what, is, what has been put in our lives? Why do we have this God-ordained birth? If we say that every child born on this planet is a gift from God, that includes you. It breaks my heart, the stuff that's going on in our nation about all the abortion issue and everything, but all those gifts that are just being lost. But we have to understand that we have them as well. So we have to serve. We have to be willing to serve. The last set of gifts I want to talk about is the charismatic gifts or the Pentecostal gifts. Uh-oh, here comes the chandeliers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See, these gifts are a cause of some divides in the church, aren't they? See, God has authored every gift in the Bible. But um, some people don't like every gift in the Bible. He's put them in there for our common good. They're there for us. They're there for us. Those gifts are there for you. Can I say that again? The gifts that are in the Bible that are kind of the weird ones, they're there for you, and they're there for the common good. The common good. Oh, goodness. What common good can come out of these things? Well, let's find out in a minute. See, the thing is, is every gift is supposed to work in balance with each other. Imagine, back to our, back to our battleship here, imagine if you had a super gung-ho gunner and he was ready to go but the engine but the engineering it hasn't gotten there yet so now you're not in the right place see all of these gifts have to work in balance with each other and that includes the spirits that includes the charismatic gifts it it's it's off-putting a lot of times if you're standing on main street speaking in tongues out loud you ever heard of the term bullhorn guy? Nobody likes the bullhorn guy. Sometimes you're being obedient by being the bullhorn guy. Sometimes it may work, but nobody really likes the bullhorn guy. He's the guy standing there with a bullhorn in a very public space, 
screaming out, God's coming soon. God's coming soon. That could work. Sure can. God can do anything. Doesn't often work, though. See, the thing is, is that the gifts are supposed to work in balance. It works the other way, though. It works the other way, though. It says sometimes big or small on the platform or in the background, they also have to stay in balance. See, sometimes I think people think that their gifts are too small. And you minimize your gifts, and you minimize your gifts. And you say, what God has given me is not important. It's not true. Everything that he has given you is important. Every gift that he's given, whether it's on the pulpit or in the basement. To be a church without all of the gifts is, it's like a computer program trying to work without all of its data. It's like a three-legged horse. Often the three-legged horse is not as quick as the other ones. But churches somewhere along the lines decided that they wanted to dismiss some of these gifts because they didn't look comfortable. Labels are placed on them, such as Pentecostal. And instead of pursuing the gifts of the Spirit, they began creating denominations around similar belief systems of likes and dislikes. So how does this apply to us? Bible says there's the different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should have. See, too often we... we, we we try to congregate around what's similar to us and what's familiar. And then we use that as a measuring rod for how church should be. Let me say that another way. Sometimes we like doing church the way we've always done church because it's how we've always done church and we like it. And we do the measuring rod based upon what we've done in the past And we feel that that's how it should always be. Same expectations. Same reality. That's not the Bible. And as a pastor, as a preacher, as a teacher, which are my gifts, I'm here to tell you, that's our measuring rod. Not what other people expect 
from us. Not what other people in our community expect from our church. Not what other people in, the, in our families expect of us. Our measuring rod is Christ and how much we're living like him. Period. See, the reality is, is none, no one of us will possess all of the gifts, but together we do. God never said for us to become a church where everyone in it looks like us. We're to become a church that looks like him. If you start looking like me, I'm sorry, I'm not that pretty. (laughs) But we've got a problem. If this church only looks like the pastor, that's a problem. It's only when this church looks like all of us. The people that are here, the people who have been here, because our legacy is important, and the people that will be here. That is the church. God never said for us to become a church where it looks like it. None of us will possess all of the gifts, but together we all do. See, there's a lot of gifts that I don't have. Today, for instance, you're not going to be seeing your pastor getting up here and shouting and screaming in tongues. Why do I believe it's not something that's legitimate? Absolutely, I think it's a legitimate thing. Absolutely, I do. But I don't do it because it's not my gift. If I was commanded to do it, I would do it. If I had the spiritual unction to do it, I would do it. I told a story, and I told I told, actually told the story to my mom last night because it is something else. But a story I like to use, and maybe I've told this to you, so if I've told it to you, just listen to it again. Um, man wakes up at 3 a.m. in the morning because the Holy Spirit's pulling on his spirit and says, hey, wake up. Go to the bus stop. He had a bus stop right right outside of his house. I guess I should have set that up a little bit better. He said, God, it's 3 a.m. The bus doesn't even run until 5. There's nobody there. He says, just get up and do it because I told you to. Okay, okay, God. So he gets dressed, kind of. You know, he walks out. It's It was warmer than today. Let's say it was in Florida. Okay, so he's walking out in his in his pajama pants. And he stands at the bus stop, tired. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. He's tired, okay? But he's being obedient. He showed up. Nobody comes to the bus stop. Not a single person. He's like, well, that was, okay, God, that was a big waste of time. And he goes back in, and he does his day. And the very next morning, 3 a.m., God wakes him up. You ever been woke up by God? <laughs> How about two nights in a row? And he says, hey, hey, go to the bus stop. God, nobody showed up. Why would I go? Okay, fine. So he gets himself out of bed, and he goes, and he goes stands at the bus stop, 3 a.m., 
5 a.m. rolls around. Nobody's come. He's like, fine, I'm going to go get ready for work. But guess what happens the third night? 3 a.m., God wakes him up again. He's starting, to get the, he's starting to get the idea here. You know it takes 21 days to build a habit? <laughs> Let's skip ahead a little bit. Now this man, every single day at 3 a.m. in the morning, doesn't even wait for God. He now sets his alarm for 3 a.m. because he knows, God, I know. I, I know I'm going to the bus stop at 3 a.m. And every single day he's there. Before the bus even runs, nobody ever shows up. Nobody. You want to talk about a ministry that really, really stinks is when nobody shows up. You want to talk about an ineffective ministry. And every business leader out there will say you, if you don't have people showing up, you're not effective. Well, guess what? This man dies after 40 years of walking to that bus stop at 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody showed up. So he gets there. And he's standing there, and he goes, Jesus, God, why did you have me go to the bus stop at 3 o'clock in the morning, every single morning? He said, because you were obedient. God is not interested in how effective we are. God is not interested And how effective our ministry is. What he cares about is if we are obedient and if we've done it well. That's it. Now, this is a bit of a stretch story because I, I don't know anyone who's actually had to do that. But if we are obedient, God will show up. If we are obedient, everything that God has for us to do will happen, even if no one else supports it. Because the important thing is to remember, not about today, not even about tomorrow. We have an entire eternity to think about. And so often, I think we get wrapped up and where we are today, and what's going on today, and the 10-year plan, and the 5-year plan, and the 15-year plan, and, and what our goals are going to be in life. Our goals need to be about the kingdom, because that's what lasts forever. One thing I want you to take away today is this. Have an eternity mindset. Use your gifts for eternity's sake. Real quick, right in front of you, on your pew, you should see something that looks kind of like this. You see this thing? Go ahead and grab one. If you need an extra one, let me know because I've got a couple extra around here. So just raise your hand if you need an extra one. Um, does anyone need a pen? Because this is going to involve some writing. Could you do me some favor, a favor and hand out some pens to whoever needs them? Thanks. 
I've been doing this to some of the people that have come over and had meals with me already, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and do a little bit of little little bit little bit of this ahead of time. See, one of my other gifts is administration, and administration has a lot of paper involved. So here's what I'd like you to do. You don't have to write down your address and city and state and all that stuff right now. I'm not going to worry about that today. Someday I might ask. If you feel like doing it, please do, because that'd be kind of cool. Um, but you see that section down there where it says prayer requests? Put your name at the top so I know who you are. <laughs> but um, see that part where it says prayer requests? You can write in a prayer request if you want to, obviously. Please do. Any of you who don't have an opportunity to speak to me personally, write down your prayer requests in there. Turn it in in the offering, and it will end up in my hands. Okay? The only other people that will see your prayer requests are any people that are a part of a prayer team, and that's it. So if you want, if you want a prayer team to be praying for you from the church, you'd write your prayer requests in there. But for today, I'm going to ask you a, I'm going to ask you one question. Some of you have already heard this from me before. Because you've been to my house, or you've, you've heard me say this before. I'm going to ask you one question, and I want you to write down the first three words that come to your mind. Okay? The first three. What is ministry? Just write down the first three words that come to mind. All right. If you can't think of three, it's okay. Put down as many as you can think of. If you think of more than three, that'd be kind of cool. I've not ever had that happen before, really. But, yeah. First three words. Single words, small phrase, whatever it is. And then, if, Casey, if you could, when you're done, if you could just collect them up for me. And we'll put them right here on this, uh, on the, uh, the altar here. Okay. So what this does is this, this is a little tool that I've used in, 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 my, in my history to help me understand people a little bit better. Because what you write down as, what, you, what comes to mind first when you think of ministry, that's the stuff that comes from your heart. Oftentimes when people ask you a deep spiritual question, the first answers always come from your heart, not from your head. So that's, what I, that's why I like asking that question. So these are your gifts. No 100 questions, no 150 questions, sessions with, like, I like this, so it's like I'm mostly like this, I'm a 5, and I'm a 2. No, I've made it real simple. One question, three responses, that's it. Next week... We're going to be talking about how to care for people as a team. So last week we talked about where our faith comes in and where joy comes into play, where ministry begins. This week we spoke about our gifts. And next week we're going to talk about how to care for people in our church and in our community as a team. And then the week after that, I'm going to have a surprise for you guys. 
there's going to be some some areas of the church that I need help in. Ministry areas that need help. And I'm going to have them up. And I, and I want you guys to prayerfully consider, you know, where is God calling me to be? And I'm going to listen to the Spirit. And I challenge you, if you find that ministry position, have the leadership to grab it and run with it. Because the only way we're going to reach this community for Christ is if we do it together. Lord God, thank you for bringing us all together today. Thank you for these wonderful people who you've created. You've put gifts into them, talents and abilities. Thank you for your mercy and grace. And I pray that every single day that we will approach our day aiming to reach our capacity. Help us to be people of capacity. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless. Have a good week. And I... uh